Welcome to the Raised with Jesus podcast, 10 minutes every day where life with Jesus meets yours. You've got your daily Bible reading, today looking at 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter chapter 1. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained the same kind of faith as ours, in the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything that we need for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and excellence. Through these He has given us His precious and great promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that sinful lust causes in the world. And for this very reason, after applying every effort, add moral excellence to your faith. To moral excellence add knowledge. To knowledge add self-control. To self-control, add patient endurance. To patient endurance, add godliness. To godliness, add brotherly affection. And to brotherly affection, add love. For if you have these qualities and they are increasing, they are going to keep you from being idle or unfruitful in regard to your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Indeed, the person who lacks these qualities is short-sighted and in fact blind, because he has forgotten that he was cleansed for his old sins. Therefore, brothers, be more eager to make your calling and election sure for yourselves. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. In fact, in this way you will be richly supplied with an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That is why I intend always to keep reminding you of these things, even though you already know them and are established in the truth you now have. I think it right, as long as I am in this tent, to keep you wide awake by reminding you, because I know that the putting off of my tent is going to happen soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ has made clear to me. I will also make every effort, so that after my departure you always have a reminder of these things. To be sure, we were not following cunningly devised fables when we made known to you the powerful appearance of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty." For he received honor and glory from God the Father, when the voice came to him from within the majestic glory, saying, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. We heard this voice, which came out of heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. We also have the completely reliable prophetic word. You do well to pay attention to it, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, since we know that this above all else No prophecy of scripture comes about from someone's own interpretation. In fact, no prophecy ever came by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were being carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of our God. Here in Peter's second letter, he has much of the same theme as his first letter, where he talks about Christian hope, and he talks about Christian certainty. And one of the major themes and one of the major ideas that crops up fairly often throughout this short book, um, again, one of my personal favorites, and maybe the same is for you, but one of the major themes that crops up fairly often in this short book is the idea of knowledge. But Peter isn't interested in simply conveying knowledge for the purpose of having knowledge, but rather that knowledge demonstrates that the faith that we believe is a historically accurate and reliable faith that even though it is um, beyond human reason, it is not illogical. 
it is rather supralogical. You might you might say that it is beyond our comprehension, but it still follows a logical structure. And so there is certainty in the word that has been spoken. And that's something that comes up a number of times here in the first chapter already. Even when Peter is talking about leaving this tent of his body, he knows that his departure from the world is coming soon and that he can look forward to the mansions of heaven with the glorified body that will be his at the resurrection of all flesh at the end of time. And so as he encourages these Christians that he is writing to, um, he reminds them that this power of our God, that he first of all is a powerful God, that he has the ability to restrain, restrict the work of the devil and to hinder um, any suffering that might come our way. But God is more interested in revealing his power under weakness, in hiding his glory under under weakness and suffering. And so Peter says, he has given us his precious and great promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that sinful lust causes in the world. And so Peter's main theme is that knowledge isn't simply for the sake of knowledge. And when he's writing to remind them, he's not just reminding them of these certain particular facts, but he's reminding them of the application of those facts. What do those facts mean for this life? Because there is certainty in the Christian faith. Um, Yes, there's a place for questions and questions are always welcome because the Christian faith is absolutely certain. It is founded and based upon the rock that is Jesus Christ, who clearly gave in his word all that we need for life and godliness. And so that's why beginning in verse five and following, Peter really begins this, um, sounds almost kind of kind of like a list, a list of sanctified living. And the purpose is right there in the end of uh, verse eight. For if you have these qualities and they are increasing, they are going to keep you from being idle or unfruitful in regard to your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. They are going to keep you from being idle or unfruitful in regard to your knowledge. He's saying that your knowledge has a purpose to bear fruit and to put that, that knowledge into practice so that it doesn't just sit there unused, but that it is exercised. And that knowledge in practice is really the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. As we remember um, and have memorized God's law and gospel, that provides greater opportunity for further and new applications, greater insight and opportunity for discussion. And when we review portions of God's word again, then there's a little bit different different applications that might arise before our eyes or um, come to mind as we consider that word of God, which is clear and unchanging. And that knowledge, that knowledge base is what God uses in order to bear fruit to the glory of his name. So it kind of touches on that topic of faith as well, because faith is knowledge and trust and assent, um, knowledge where you know these facts, and trust is the essence of faith, that faith is trust in Jesus as your Savior over, especially against your own works. And um, and then assent is bowing the head to say, yes, this is the Lord that I follow. And so therefore, as a result, this is how I will live. This is how I will give glory to God by elevating his word and his wishes and his will over above mine. And that continual focus on putting knowledge into practice in those various ways, as he talked about in um, in verses 5 through 9, really, talking about moral excellence and knowledge and self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. Um, and then he talks about that in verse 10 as using that as an element of making one's calling and election sure for yourselves. And 
you might think to yourself, well, how can I make my election sure? Election, or that term predestination, is the exact same thing. And the the thing that you have to remember with election or predestination is twofold. First of all, it is a gospel promise. Second of all, it is only for believers. So it is a gospel promise for believers. This is a promise from God that he wants to use to encourage you in your Christian faith and to encourage you in your Christian life as well, that we put into practice the the truth and that we recognize the truth that we contribute nothing to our salvation, but rather that God planned out your salvation from before the beginning of time. He chose you and made you his own, and then he sent his son. And then in time, during your lifetime, he brought you to faith through his chosen means, through baptism or through the word, and that he promises to keep you in that true faith. And so Peter isn't saying that our actions make our faith more faithful. (laughs) He's not saying that our actions really complete our faith or complete our salvation or something like that. But what he is saying is kind of what, um, kind of what we see in first John, really, that your actions are something that you can see for yourself. You can see the spirit at work in your own life. You can see God's word at work in your own life as you strive and struggle to put this knowledge into practice and exercise that knowledge by by exercising Christian godly living, that is sanctification, living a life to the glory of God. As for the rest of the chapter about um, God's word says what it means and means what it says, I refer you, make sure to check out the, t- the show notes today for the episode number from Professor Brug and the sermon that he preached on Second Peter chapter 1. It was a Reformation sermon from probably seven or eight years ago by this point, but it was absolutely fantastic. And I'll include in the show notes whatever episode number that is. It's only, you know, five or six episodes back, I believe. So what do we learn from Peter today? Peter really emphasizes the fact that the word of God is sure and certain, and that this word of God is clear in that it conveys a particular set of knowledge and a particular set of teaching and doctrine that is, that is the foundation of our faith. And the question is, what shall we do with this knowledge? What shall we do with the knowledge that your calling and election is sure? What shall we do with the certainty that this Jesus has done everything? What shall we do with the the knowledge that there are only two eternal destinations, heaven and hell, and that the standard for entering heaven is still holiness? And thanks be to God that he gives us, confers this holiness to us through his chosen means. How can we, you and I, individually, and yes, as Christian congregations, how can we apply this spiritual truth in our lives today? It gives us confidence when speaking with our children and encouraging them um, and leading them through the teaching of the Ten Commandments. Uh, repeat after me and you say a, say a phrase and they repeat it back to you. Um, it gives us confidence when we talk with a friend and they're wondering, you know, what's going on in this world around me? Well, dear friend, you have certainty. You have certainty here. You have clarity in the Word of God. And what shall we do with this knowledge? I think I think if you just review a little bit of what Peter says here in 2 Peter chapter 1 and look around, keep your eyes and ears open as you go about your day, you will see many opportunities to speak of the certainty and the clarity that we share and rejoice in. 
Thanks so much for joining us again. Check out the show notes for that episode number from Pastor Brug, Professor Brug's uh, sermon on Second Peter chapter one. God bless your day. <laughs>